Marketer Podcast. Helen Rulis, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Okay. Um, you brought up Argentina, so we're just going to dive right in. Mm -hmm. you know, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> but tell me about it. Tell me about it. You, you took hell, but that's not, that's not a big deal to me. One of the things yeah. that I'm concerned with is like how, see, what we try to do with this podcast is delve into the processes of successful people. How has dealing with losses changed for you over the last 15 years? Oh man, 15 years is like a long time. Yeah. Um, I think when I was, I think it's gone in waves. So I think you have to learn how to lose and you have to learn how to utilize that loss so that it's not something that starts, I think, crippling you, um, but instead is something that starts to fuel you. And so when I was younger and I would lose, I would really berate myself. I would beat myself up for days. I wouldn't want to show my face. I assumed that I'm supposed to like walk around in shame and that everyone expects that of me too. And um, I, I actually learned from Yelena and Clarissa Chun when we all went to the Pan Am games and um, they we were all in the finals and they took second and just, you know, you could tell they were sad for a second, they processed it. And then we all went to this team dinner and you would have never known. And I asked them like, how are you guys so happy? And they said, you know, we, we discussed with our coaches, we talk about the things we need to work on. Those are going to get addressed when we're back in the room, but our family's here. There's no reason to be sulking. Like you, you know, life goes on and you have to be able to, to be able to move into those spaces. And so that really started to make me realize that I have to learn how to lose and, and um, not beat myself up about it. Cause 15 years, right. That's no one stays undefeated for 15 years straight. So if you're always in a miserable place after losing, that's going to be like a rough 15 years. For sure. And, and it's just, what, where did the, the initial, so I, th I think um, coaches now are doing a much better job of explaining to athletes, this is not the end of the world. Yes, you're a high-performing athlete. Yes, your expectation is to win. But I think we're doing a better job conveying to young athletes now that, that, yeah, okay to lose. Was it was that your experience when you were a kid, when you were coming up, or was it like, hey, you better you better win this thing or else? Um, you know, I remember growing up, my parents would say, if you lost and the person's better than you, that's okay. But also, my parents never thought many people were better than me. <laughs> so, like, so I'm like, oh well, this guy does. <laughs> like, you could have beat that person. I'm like, well, obviously, I didn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> not say I can. <laughs> um so yeah there were like very few times where mom was like yeah you got your ass kicked there was no way out of that but like other than that um and then coaches i don't you know i i think things are really unique to the personality i think a good coach will be able to see there's some athletes that they lose and they just don't care that much or they're so confident that they're like oh that's a fluke i'm gonna get the next time and then maybe the coach has to address like, no, you need to let this go to heart a little bit more so that it like convicts you to make some changes and like really get after it. And then I think I'm more of the athlete that I'm very, very, very hard on myself. And a lot of times I hear from coaches like, hey, like, don't think about this. Don't go home. Don't go think that you have to like reinvent the wheel and change every aspect of your life. Like literally just forget about this. It's one it's one tournament. And uh, so I've heard that one way more often than than the former. So that's kind of more unique to me. 
Uh, you talked about, you know, changing your mindset. And, you know, when you were at the Pan Ams, you saw some other wrestlers that, you know, like they didn't let a loss completely ruin their entire trip or their entire life. Um, how long did it take you to kind of make that shift in yourself? Because it's one thing to see other people do it, but then to say like, oh, yeah, like I need to change this. Like sometimes things don't happen overnight. How long did it take you to kind of make that shift? Um. A, a while, I would say. The Pan Am Games was in 2011, and when I lost in 2012, I definitely wasn't anywhere near close to mastering that. I would say 2012 was a huge catalyst um, of just having having to learn it. I mean, the loss was so painful that it was going to cripple me into just retiring and giving up, or I just I was like, I have to find a way uh, to work around this, and um, I felt like God really redeemed that, and I think after 2012, I decided I can't ride the highs and lows of winning and losing. So it has to be about more than wrestling. And it became more about using wrestling as a tool to develop character and to just use it as this safe space to be like, well, why not believe in myself or see if I can reach these things that I want to go after? And it kind of was a little bit more gamified rather than like maybe life or death so much. But I mean, even still leading into the 2016 trials, I, I remember having to work through a lot of fears of like, Olympic trials were in Iowa, you know, Hawkeye Arena four years ago. Am I always going to be the person that chokes at Olympic trials? Like, can I can I put it together at Worlds and this tournament, that tournament? But am I going to be the girl that always chokes at Olympic trials? And those doubts and fears come up, and you just have to like work through it. So, I, it did, but yeah, it's a pretty ongoing process. Dude, how many times did that go through your head? Like, uh, like that's got to be like this constant ringing in the back of your head. Can I get it done when it like matters once every four years? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something that it was really interesting for me because uh, I've had anxiety or I had anxiety since I was a kid, like crippling anxiety, having nothing to do with sports, just, um, you know, and just as a person. And what I noticed with the Olympics, I remember, especially in 2016, all these athletes, everyone that I've seen so confident at tournaments, worlds, year after year after year, everyone had this layer of like tension and anxiety on them. Very few people were like fully relaxed. And I remember being like, oh wow, I've been used to wearing this face for so long that it's actually more of my normal. So this stress at the Olympics doesn't bother me as much. Cause for me, everything feels like the Olympics. So I was like, wow, this is actually a blessing for me that I struggled with this for so long. Um, That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was really interesting to see because it's like you can't lie to yourself. You can tell yourself all the things in the world, but like you can't lie to yourself that this is your full life stream and it's once every four years. So and you don't tell yourself at, at the world's that, you know, one tells himself that at the world championships. So you're always the Olympics is always going to be a bit of a different experience and you have to be able to adapt to that. I never thought of it like that. I never thought of it like that. You were buzz. You were buzzing at a frequency that everyone else came up to yeah i was like welcome guys <laughs> it's wild up here because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like this all the time for me <laughs> i'm like this is the chaos we're in it <laughs> that's crazy um all right so let's let's mitigate some of the did, did that did that raise at all the olympic games um, for me, yeah. Uh, at the Rio Olympic Games, mm -hmm. no, it was like literally everything felt like the Olympics to me. 
everything. It was always that much anxiety and tension. So the Olympics felt pretty, pretty normal. Actually, in fact, I felt like I was calmer than what I learned too also was like for coaches, like they have to go through it too. If it's a coach's first Olympics, you kind of see them in some ways maybe crack under the pressure or they start getting like maybe do some overtraining or they're like psyched out about certain opponents. And I remember being like, hey, no, like I don't study. I don't study this far out. Don't tell me what to do. Uh, if it's within this time frame, I got to focus on myself. And so my faith, I think, really kept me grounded in that. But it was really interesting to see everyone's kind of like tense about it. What was your strategy of dealing with all this pressure and anxiety? Because obviously, you know, you've, you've had a great deal of success, you know, in, in overcoming some of this. Um, and some of the best wrestlers in the world don't overcome, uh, you know, the, the stress and anxiety of, of competing at the highest level. What, what are some strategies that you put in place to deal with it? You know, I think it changes every time. I'd say the biggest thing that I try and do is just kind of like stay in awareness and not just try to be very intuitive about like assessing the situation and how I, I feel I, I should handle it. So um, sometimes I've tried to repeat patterns that worked for me in the past and it doesn't work again. And I look back and I'm like, yeah, I wasn't really like being present in the situation and assessing what I should have actually done. I was just trying to do something that worked before. And if I really look back and like listen to my gut, I'm like, yeah, I know that that actually wasn't supposed to be it. Um, like even this, this tournament at the Pan Ams, you know, I tried, I, I tried some things that I normally do before 2016 and I was like, oh yeah, that, that just, it wasn't working. But like, you know, when you're trying it, you're, you're fully all in. So I don't know that I have, have the, I know you asked, uh, how I would say fall in love with that feeling. Like, um, like at, at the Pan Ams when nerves came on, I, uh, you know, I was kind of digging deep. I, I had to go deep within myself and I was processing through things before my first match. And then this thought came up and it was like, you have four tournaments left, potentially, like Olympics, Worlds, Trials. And I'm like, man, when you retire, it's, you're going to look back and you're, this is the moment that you're going to miss. This like, this uncertainty, these nerves, like you don't get a lot of things in everyday life that, that gives you this much like anxiety and excitement for a good thing. For this thing that you love to do so i think reframing my mindset around that of like wow this is this is actually a gift like and i think if athletes start to reframe their mindset of like oh i thrive off this or i enjoy this part of the journey then i think that will help man um we we work a lot on word association um a feeling that you get for matches you can call it nerves you you can you can, or you can call it excitement because they're, mm -hmm. they're pretty darn similar, right? Like, yeah. you're going to be honest with each other. <clears throat> when, you, when you walk away from this sport, is that, is that something that you're going to, to miss the most? Like, meaning, is it something that you think you'll crave in other parts of your life? Yes, and... You know, when I came back to um, when I came back to wrestling, like after the the brief retirement uh, in 2020, and I just came back to wrestling to try and work through um, some lingering head stuff. Not, I wasn't even thinking about competing, but I joined a salsa dance team. And then when I came back to competing, I what I wouldn't give up the dancing. And I told the coaches, I'm like, I'm dancing three times a week, and I'm wrestling three times a week. And then I performed. I did a dance performance the weekend before the Olympic qualifier. 
And it went to like midnight and I was freaking out and I was like, oh my God, this is this bad. But I was like, I, I need this. Like I need right now where I'm at in my life, in my career. Like I also need to know that there's something after wrestling that gives me this much joy and excitement so that I don't feel like all my eggs in one, are in one basket and it frees me to compete better. And um, so, yes, I'm going to miss it, but I'm also pursuing things now that I know are starting to dabble in things that I know I will be able to look forward to after wrestling. And yeah. And also a really great advice that I got from my mentor was like, don't start grieving uh, retirement before you're actually there. Just wait, just enjoy it. So um, I'm trying to just really stay present and love the sport. You know that like, that's a, a big part. So <clears throat> one of my next endeavors is going to be tackling uh, addiction in wrestling. Mm -hmm. And what you're doing, setting yourself up post wrestling for a positive outlet for that, because you're chasing that. Like you're, we're all chasing. We're all junkies to the adrenaline high. Like yeah. So you have to understand like how important it is because whether you win with a gold medal or you're just a schmuck that wrestled in, in high school, a lot. A lot of the the same. It's just it's the same uh, centers. It's the same dopamine centers yeah. that are going in your brain, right? So the problem that we're finding is that the, the same those dopamine centers, when they stop getting fired on, man, you look you you actively look to engage them again, and yeah. a lot of times it's not in a good path. It's it's uh, it's drugs. It's alcohol. It's it's bad. Right. So yeah. good on you for finding a positive thing. Would you tell other people to get in? maybe not salsa dancing? Because guess what? I got seven yeah. left feet. But <laughs> um, but I mean I think I think most people would try should try and go in a different path. Well, I think all wrestlers would love partner dancing and all dancers would love wrestling. They're very, very similar, um, in a lot of really beautiful ways, but um, I would say that I think it depends on the athlete and what fates they're in. Like, you know, when I was 20, I didn't want to do anything but like eat, breathe, sleep and wrestle. And I don't think it was the time for me to be in dancing. I think it was the time for me to be all into wrestling and, uh, and it needed to be that way. The same way, like when you're a kid, you can go compete at a bunch of tournaments and, you know, when you're in your thirties, you really got to pick and choose and, and honor your body in that way. So I would say it depends on the phase um that the athletes in but for me right now and i've tried i've i you know uh last or at the beginning of this year i kind of went back to some old patterns and i was like everything about wrestling i'm going to travel to kyrgyzstan i'm going to do this camp i'm going to work with this coach here in hungary then i'm going to go do this and then like i shit the bed in croatia and when i thought about it i was like yeah i'm i'm 31 i don't need to be like running around the world and not have a home base. Like I got to go back and set up roots in your twenties. This was really like, fun and doable. It's, it's not the thing now. So I'm just kind of learning as I go. I think that's really interesting to kind of hear, um, you know, how that changes through your career. Uh, what do you think, like, are the, like, are there kind of key milestones that you look at to be like, Oh, maybe, maybe it's okay to, you know, settle down a little bit as opposed to be bouncing all over the place uh how did you kind of like arrive at that decision that hey i i don't need to do this that I, I just need to focus on on me or on my you know where i'm at yeah i think uh for me 
like I said, wrestling has just kind of become this this tool that I think God is using to to shape me and shape my life. And I feel like if I pay attention to the lessons and I kind of adhere to them and allow myself to to grow in that way, then the wrestling will take care of itself, however that's meant to be. Um, and so when it comes along, I just, I try, I try and listen. So, you know, I think right when I came out to California, I had to be here for the month for media before the film. And I was trying to find just a coach to work with out here. And I had some like weird, uh, inappropriate experiences. And I remember just crying to my mom the night before. And I was like, I don't get it. Like I'm a qualified athlete. I have the accolades. I'm coachable. I'm, I listen, I work hard. Like, why is it, you know, why am I struggling to find a coach to work with? And and in that moment, I really felt like God was like, stop thinking that wrestling is going to solve all your other problems. Like, you need to address these other things in your life, get some balance, find community, be settled down, and then the wrestling coach will take care of itself. And so I said, okay, for the month of March, I'm surrendering this. Like, I'm not going to look for it. I'm, I'm just going to do this other training. And literally everything fell into place. Like Sarah came to visit me. Yui came to visit. She stayed for 10 days and training with me. Dom came out and then this happened. And then literally, um, like I reconnected with a, a, an old Cuban wrestler. And then he's just like, yeah, I'll, I'll help coach you. And it happened like the week before Pan Am's. And I'm like, oh, like I listened. I stopped looking. Everything else took care of itself. And now things are falling into place. So I just feel like that's kind of how I journey through this. Dude, that's pretty, it's insightful. That's for sure, because sometimes you, we think we have control over this stuff. We yeah. Gen, we, gen, well, <laughs> we love to think that we're so important that we have all this. No, no sorry. And now right. forcing so it is the way. Yeah, for sure. Um, can we talk a little bit about how you stay grounded? Now, I think of this podcast a lot as a user guide for young athletes, young coaches. Not everyone is going to fall into the category of living legend, right? Because that's kind of what you are. Whether you whether you like to recognize, it, you can you can scoff at that if you look, but it's true, right? Like you're first Olympic gold medalist from this country, like that's a big deal and you're still doing it. It's a big, big deal. How do you, you're way too grounded to have the accolades that you do? Um, you, you know what's interesting? Uh, I, someone was, we were, we were talking about humility once and someone's like, you're humble. I'm like, I don't think I'm humble. I think I just consistently get humbled. So, and wrestling is this great place that it, you get humbled. And, um, and so I, I think, uh, yeah, even if you like text someone, you can feel like, man, they, they were still really tough to wrestle. It doesn't make you feel like you're, you know, king or queen of the world kind of a deal. Um, and then also staying grounded. I think, Again, like I've just been been journeying through and trying to take everything in stride. And I'm very grateful that I've got all these, been blessed to have all these unique experiences in the sport. And so I think that's given me perspective. Like it's great when you win the Olympics and you're on top of the world and, you know, it feels like you're a good person in everyone's eyes. And then to just also be, um, you know, injured and, or, you know, at this rock bottom or you lose and some of the things that people say, and then you start to really separate, like, I am not the sum total of all these things and uh and i think it 
I don't know, really. And I, and I think also just really being in love with daily life. Like I went to the movie premiere and I knew that there was going to be a lot of feedback and whether good or bad, I'm like, uh, I'm going to go to the movie premiere and then I come home and I play my harp for an hour and it's like the best feeling in the world. And then I go and just go back to regular life. And it's like, why would I feel any different? Like, there's nothing like, I don't know. I just enjoy the, the daily things. So I don't you know talked I when to... you were, uh, you talked when you were younger about, you know, you just wanted to eat, sleep and breathe wrestling. And now it seems like your, your view on wrestling is, has evolved to being, you know, much just a part of you, right. A part of mm -hmm. what you do. Um, how did you kind of make that shift and, and how important do you think has that been to your longevity in the sport? So I started working with this mentor. She's a Canadian, retired Canadian uh, Olympian. And her name is Leah. She started mentoring me in 2017, which I'm like the biggest fan of quality mentors, but my God, that's like changed my life. And so she's really journeyed with me through a lot. And I think having, you know, just being in awareness and, and paying attention to stuff like that has obviously helped, but it really has been this ongoing process. Um, so your question was about wrestling uh, evolving, uh, right? About when did it start? Yeah. And then the second part. Yeah. Was... Your, your evolution of kind of, you know, going from wrestling is my entire life to now just, you know, part of what you do and, and how does that kind of impact your, your day to day? Yeah. So this is something that uh, Leah, my mentor and I, we actually were just, discussing because um you know i i told her that i've i've felt things changing for me in the sport as i get older and at first when when some when you're young and something's working for you you want to keep doing that but there comes a time where you have to be able to address like am i called am i supposed to be changing this right now and so um i think just sometimes holding on too long to like a certain mindset or a way of approaching it and then you have some negative repercussions and you're like, okay, that clearly is not going to work anymore. I got to change. So as I start to get older, I can't train the way that I did when I was in my twenties. Doesn't mean that I don't work hard, but it's got to look different, way different, a lot more recovery on the back end, a lot more of like really having things planned out. You know, when you're young, you can just go in, no warm up, wrestle for three hours and get out. So uh, as you get older or as I've gotten older, that's just had to evolve. And then not just when the physical evolves, but how you and how, you evolve your mental mindset around that. And so one thing my, my mentor just spoke to me was like, um, don't fall in love with the idea of youth. Like, don't think that, um, what did she say? I have it written down, but it, it was basically like, if you keep trying to chase youth and associating that with the feeling of like being competitive, you're, you're going to keep hitting a brick wall. But when you understand that you have experience and that's something in and of itself, and you fully embody that experience and the power that comes with that, you will be able to compete the way you want to at this age. And I was like, oh yeah, I, I really have to pay attention to that. Cause I'm around a lot of young wrestlers and, you know, uh, I think I'm one of the oldest on the team right now. So it's like, sometimes I can get tripped up into like, oh, maybe I should be doing what they're doing or be excited the way they're excited. And it's like, no, it has to look different for me the same way they shouldn't be doing it the way that i'm doing it yeah yeah so so i can get away with this is not gray in the beard it's just experience i got it. <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> um, it's mark of wisdom. <laughs> all right so check this out you brought up the new crowd these girls are killers you know these girls mm -hmm. are killers, okay mm -hmm. how do you deal with everybody wants to knock off a legend 
everybody wants to knock off. Like you have a target on your back, mm-hmm. and all these girls are gunning for you. That's a that's a thing, dude. Because you were, you, I just remember you being this up and coming young woman that was. I want I want to say you were hunting someone else, but the truth is, you were kind of just looking at your own trail. Um, how do you deal with these girls just kind of nipping at your heels at all times? Uh, I honestly, I think it's really good for me. Um, I like, it makes me hungry when it's competitive, the more competitive it is, the more excited I get. And, you know, the better these girls get, the more it's like, oh shit, like, but I like, I got to evolve my game. I got to get better. Like, I want to bring new things to the table. I want to separate, um, you know, I want to separate the gap. I don't want that gap getting closer. So, and that's fun. Uh, again, my mentor taught, taught me this and it was like such a profound thing to say, but, um, she was talking about competition and she's like, competition doesn't exist when there, when there aren't two equals. So if you think you're better than someone or someone's way better than you, competition just doesn't exist there. And so, uh, yeah. So I, I think this healthy competition athletes, we love it. We're addicted to it. And so when it's that like even playing field or it's competitive, then I think it drives you. So here's the thing now. I've heard stories about you Getting a hold of a young athlete in the wrestling room that might have thought that they were the alpha in the room and letting them know in no uncertain terms that it was still your wrestling room. Um, Is this girl or guy? Girl. A girl. Yeah. Oh. Um, I, 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 have, I, have, uh, I have rough edges. <laughs> I do. I, it excites me. I'm like, like your best bet is to try and bore me and lull me to sleep. But if you come at me, like, let's go. I'm excited. So yeah, it's fun. You do a very good job of hiding those rough edges. You do. I don't try to, but I'm just, I, I don't know. I think they just come out on the mat more, but they're definitely there. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that you've kind of touched on a few times is, you know, how how valuable your mentor has been to you. Uh, what are what would be some tips you'd you'd recommend to somebody who's looking for a mentor of like how do I find somebody, make that connection, and and like what are the criteria you look for to decide like oh this is the right person to be working with? Yeah, um, I don't I don't even it's not like there's like a you know sign up for mentors online thing, so I don't know exactly. How I'd recommend going about that, but I can say the things that I really value in my mentor. Um, when I met with her, one of the big things is she was super intentional about. I'm not trying to impart my truth and my beliefs on you. I'm not trying to sit here and say this is what worked for me, so this is what's going to work for you. I'm going to sit here and listen really intently, and I'm going to help you navigate how you listen and learn from God, and listen and learn from yourself, and listen through the sport. And so. She is super intentional. And there's been times, I mean, she also a good mentor. I think is someone that in a, you know, loving, but truthful and real way can, can call you on, on your stuff too. Um, and I think that's something that I really value is people that will tell me the truth and what I need to hear. Um, because if everyone's thinking it and no one says it, it's like, well, how can I change if I don't, if I don't know? And so there's times I've been gone to her and I'm like, well, all this stuff is going on, this, this, and, and we, what should I do? And she says, I'm not making this decision for you. 
because you want me to make a decision so that you don't have to accept responsibility for whatever the consequences are. And I was like, she's like, this is a pattern in your life. And I was like, oh, you are right. And you're the first person that's ever told it to me like that way. And she's telling it in love. And now that's something that's like helped me profoundly in my life in all areas because she was willing to to go there and journey with me in that. And I think same way in wrestling, like you got to go there. You got to go to the deep places. You got to journey with yourself. Like if you are somewhat nervous and you're trying not to think about it and shove it down, it's probably going to come up at some point. You can't like run away from this stuff forever. So I, I think finding someone that's just, I don't know, that that's what I've really valued. That's valuable. That's super valuable. It gave me butterflies just thinking about that. Like, oh, it's your responsibility, bud. Sorry. Can't help you there. I was like, are you sure? <laughs> um, have you spoken? What? Other other than the other than the the film, which was incredible. And you know what? I think it, it goes to show how selfless you are or how you know, there's this part of the film that it's your documentary. What really about you? <laughs> like, like the stuff on Jenna and like, dude, that's that's wild yeah. that that you chose. And I, I mean, I don't know how much you, I don't know how much creative control you had over it, but like, I don't know. I, I was I was thoroughly impressed that you took a part of your movie to talk about how awesome this chick was next to you, you know, and, and what she was going through. So kudos on you for that. But aside from the film, have you spoken much at all about the injuries, like the head injuries? Mm -hmm. Publicly, not as much for a variety of reasons. Um, one, I'm not a doctor, I'm not qualified. And then my heart is really to open up a lot, a lot more about specific treatments and different things. And um, I've spoken to a lot of athletes. And uh, a lot of times uh, I feel like I've in a small way, I guess, or in my small circles have like started to become a point person for things. And so I'm seeing a lot of patterns and I feel like I have a lot to, to give in that area. And so anytime I can help, I will. And, and I've spoken a lot in that way. Um, and I would like to publicly, I, I was meeting with a doctor from UWW and we were talking about working together on how to you know, come out with, you know, guidelines or things for athletes um, on a lot of the mental health and concussion stuff. But yeah. What are some strategies that you might recommend or, or think about of of dealing with kind of like the mental stress of, of coming back from an injury? Because obviously, you know, like there's the, the physical portion of, hey, I got to get healthy and be able to physically be able to do things again. But, you know, there's a long period of time there that, you know, you have to think about, you know, your your recovery, um, your rehab, and and then from there you have to get back into a mode of competition. Um, you know, or any tips or, or thoughts on on how to control that side of it uh, when you're recovering from an injury? Yeah. So with injuries and just with the way that I pursue things, I'm like I like to analyze. I like to go very deep into topics. So this is just how I did it, and I'm not saying it's necessary for for every athlete, but uh, and I'm a curious person. So in injuries, I, I start to get very curious about like, why are they happening leading up to it? Like kind of for me, I feel like the same way every loss is mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional. Like I can look at the wrestling aspect of why I lost, but I can look at these other 
um, reasons for why I lost. And I feel like I have to pay attention to all of them with the injury. It's the same thing. So before an injury, looking at like, you know, were you overtrained? Did you feel like you were getting pushed for something that you didn't want to do? If you really look back and pay attention, was your gut telling you something? Um, or do you need to look at the type of person you are and address something? You know, there's some wrestlers that they pride themselves on running their head into a wall. And it's like, dude, you don't get brownie points for, for toughness. Like, or you don't get brownie points for not taking care of your body. Like, why would you, that might be the area that you have to grow. Otherwise you might keep having these injuries. And so if you just think, okay, injury, the second, like a second I'm healthy, I'm going to get back and whatever, we're back to our old ways. Like make sure you address it because it might be, your body might be trying to tell you something that something's got to change. Um, and then sometimes not things could be freak accidents, you know? So that's, uh, and with the actual injury, I think it's interesting too, to pay attention of like, depending on the injury, a lot of times what I see and what I found for myself is like you get injured and your last memory of sport is how you were before the injury. And then there's all this time when you're off the mat and you're away and maybe your timing or other things get rusty and you come back to sport and you expect to do it the way that you left off. And sometimes you have to be willing to humble yourself and be patient and build incrementally again. And then you see a lot of athletes, they come back and they keep getting injured over and over again. And it's like, you know, maybe, maybe that's something to it. So, um, yeah, I'm like, I'll do, you know, as many different therapies as possible and not just physical, but if it's like, um, emotional or talk therapy or something I have to work through too, I'll, I'll do it around an end. I think it's important. Yeah. We don't see that talked about enough in this sport at all. Um, we're, yeah. we're far too got to be a matter of day got to do the reps yeah well guess what man there's there's a whole lot of different ways yeah or like this yeah what's crazy to me and i thought, thought this was super interesting too i've trained with a lot of people that um they'll they'll I, I know that they or they'll i know that they have a neck injury i didn't know and we're working on a front headlock and after every rep they're like grabbing their neck and i finally turned to them i'm like hey do you have do you have an injury they're like yeah i've uh, herniated disc bulging disc and i'm like why don't you just tell me not to touch your head? I, there's a million moves in wrestling. Like I can work on something else. And it's like, I don't know, sometimes young athletes, they get stuck or it's like, well, the coach said we had to do this or I have to do this. I'm like, look, my body is like, is my ownership and it's my responsibility and no one's going to take care of it better than me. So I have to protect it. So if we go into training and, you know, coach wants us to work on something, I can't do it. I'll just tell my partner, you can work on something else. I'm sure there's other things that, you need to work on and if you need to work on this you can go with a different group and then i'll go work and we can come back like there's a million ways to solve the problem and you see these athletes just like you know they have a knee injury and they're letting someone yank their knee i remember i had to go up to kennedy and i was like kennedy you're gonna get your knee blown out like i don't care who this person is when it gets to this position it's dangerous and you tell them to stop or you tell them that you're not going to go with them anymore. It's it's a blessing for them to get to work with you and vice versa. Don't think that you're someone's training partner or that this should be happening to you because you're 19 years old. And if you want to make it like a long-term in this career, you got to know how to protect your body. So sorry, I get fired up about it. <laughs> oh, no, that's good. That's important, man. Speaking of Canada, let's talk about the new wave of girls, like and girls that are in your weight class who you don't have to directly compete with. It's pretty, it's pretty impressive what some of these girls are doing right now. Talk to me about the state of women's wrestling, especially as it pertains to this country. Yeah, this is honestly, it's, it's so incredible. It's so cool to see. If you look at the history of women's wrestling in the US, there've just been like so many BS barriers that have stood in the way of girls and women developing and they've done it despite that. 
And I think what we're seeing now with this next generation is like, this is the generation of women that don't have a lot of the barriers that, that us older generations had. And so they're just mm. awesome. They're on fire, their technique, everything. And even the way that they view wrestling and the wrestling world is different. Like you talk to a lot of other girls and it's not just like chip on the shoulder, but, and, and not bitterness, but it's like, man, some of the, the things that we've had to fight and argue about for like mat space or time and attention are these things like these girls grew up with that. They grew up with like these superstar matches and like uh, doing a flow who's number one and, and getting, being able to get sponsorship deals and everything. I'm like, it, it's so cool to see that they get to like really flourish in this, this, which is what we want for, for women in the sport. So I'm really excited. Mm -hmm. You said barriers, man. I, I've heard some, like, so you, you're talking about barriers in terms of time and attention with coaches, that space, things like that. But man, if you talk to the first girls, like, and so like, I guess what I'm trying to say is it has gotten progressively better. Yeah. Like yeah, your, your experience, and I'm not trying to take away from it, certainly wasn't the same as, you know, Trish Saunders, but I've heard, I've heard stories like awful things like, um, like, like one of the tournaments overseas, they, like they gave away vacuum cleaners. Yeah. Yeah. I did my, my college paper on that. I've done it on, on women's sports for a while. So no, I'm, I'm well aware of the barriers that the women, uh, before me broke down and really, and I've always said this, I'm like, I shouldn't have been the first Olympic champion in women's wrestling. I was just the first with all the opportunities to align. Like that was it. There's like a, a million women that should have, that could have and should have done that. But like you talk to them about some of the things that stood in their way and it's like, you shouldn't, this shouldn't have been the thing. It should have either been winning or losing. And it, yeah, I think up until 2003, uh, which was a year before the first Olympics, they were handing out appliances for women. If they won the world championships, they were handing out a prettiest wrestler award, regardless if you won or lost. Um, yeah, so we'll I remember my my like, first so year at university. Sport, they kicked us off that. Yeah, he Joel didn't know any of this. You didn't what? know any of this, did you? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've been I uh, my background. I wrestled in the early two thousands and was a mediocre college wrestler. But uh, from from that point to about you know like two years ago, I just been like out of the sport, and so it's it's been really interesting for me to see. Uh, you know, I coach, we have girls in our club, we have, you know, high level girls in our club and it's, it's really cool to see the sport develop and, you know, new opportunities that are, that are being available now. Um, I'm curious as, you know, a coach that we have girls in our club, like what are, what are ways that, that we can empower girls to, you know, continue to have these opportunities or to have more opportunities? Um, and how, how separate does, should girls wrestling be? Um, you know, is it something where, you know, they should be practicing with the boys and everyone else, or is it something where like, hey, girls deserve to have their own mat time and that should be completely separate? Yeah, I think, I don't know if I have the the full answer, the best answer to that, just because I'm gonna base stuff a lot on my experiences, but I would say a lot of different things work. So when I went to school in Canada, um, women's and boys wrestling, uh, men's wrestling was, offered throughout all the high schools. And then in college, there's no training center. So everyone trained together and the men and women trained at the same time. And so if you didn't have a partner and a guy didn't have a partner, you just go with them. There's, there's nothing to it. And I remember being like, man, I wish like America viewed it this way. It's just like, it's just 
we're not making right. a big deal out of it. You can just interchangeably change with each other. Um, I grew up wrestling boys and I found that super valuable. I also uh, know that training with only women is really valuable. And sometimes you wonder, well, would there be more girls that joined if it was just for women instead of them having to wrestle with the boys? And then there's other girls that they want to wrestle with both. So I don't think there's like a, a right or wrong. I would say just, um, you know, treating everyone as a wrestler, right? Uh, a girl can learn the same technique as a guy. Everyone has different body styles. There's some things that you know, I, I find with guys, they're not as flexible, different moves will work on them. And with girls, uh, those same moves don't work. And so you have to adapt it and just being like kind of more open and mindful of that. Okay. Now, this is, I have been in the sport for 30 something years. Okay. I have coached at every level. And I, when I was in, coaching in New Jersey, there just wasn't as much interest in from the young ladies where I was, for whatever reason. Maybe I wasn't uh, as welcoming as, as I could have been, maybe. I don't know, but I'm dealing with, the, for the first time, dealing with, with training serious young female athletes for the first time. If you had a choice and could go back 20 years or whatever when you started wrestling, okay, what would you explain to your coaches throughout that is different about women that will help you see right because it is a little different dealing yeah. with women uh uh as a coach it, it just and and i'm not always saying it's a, it, it, please don't take yeah. it as a thing it's yeah. not it's just different right like i can tell this group of boys over here to do something and they and their brains they will do it until they think it's right the girl the group of girls that i teach they'll do it until i tell them stop like that's a big difference dude like that's, yeah. a, that's something that you have to address so if you could tell a coach maybe a youth coach that you had to deal with you in a different way how would it look yeah i think okay i think innately girls and boys have some some really cool and complementary differences so and and that's a, the example you gave is perfect where um a lot of times coaches will say with guys it's like the guy gets to a point where he's like i'm a man i know what's best for me um i gotta go out there and like prove myself make my own name where girls are more like i'm so excited to have this coach i want to do whatever he tells me i'm willing to like listen and follow and do the work they're very uh very very coachable and i think um sometimes with uh, what I've seen and from my experience is like just learning how to empower um, the girls to to step into into their own with that or um, and and coaching is it, for, it every single every single person is different so it's unique to that but I would say with um, yeah it really depends on on the, the type because I'm a very emotional girl, like person but I know that there's a lot of girls that that aren't um, so I can't say that there's like one, one huge thing I'm trying to think, but yeah, I, I do think girls listen a lot better and they internalize things a lot more. And I think sometimes guys uh, more rely on thinking that they like have it figured out or they get you know, there, they get yeah. there quicker. Yeah. That and, and, and that's not a negative thing. Yeah. Either, right. Because like what I'm, what I'm struggling with now, and I struggle with this and it bothers me is that like um 
I struggle with it because there are girls that refuse to use their own creativity situations. Mm-hmm. They're asking me, they're not asking me, they're, they're expecting me to give them, oh, like you said, right? Like, like with your mentor, right? Like, no, this is your yeah. responsibility. Like you, like I'm going to give you ideas. Like that's really yeah. all ideas, right? So <clears throat> I'm struggling with the girls that just want to do that. <laughs> I think <laughs> I feel for your frustration and thank you for holding space for them and uh, just being like so willing to learn and adapt and, and do right by them. So that's awesome. We just we need coaches like that um, that care and that, you know, are going to be there to, to train the, the girls and to be open to figuring out how that's supposed to look like. So thank you. Um, I would say, uh, oh, what was it? Uh, I lost my my train of thought before that, but um, this is something that's that's been on my heart is that I want young athletes to to learn that part of sport is to be able to trust in themselves and trust in their ability to start to call shots. And so sometimes I think a little bit of like not tough love, but um, you know, sometimes the most loving thing you can do is help the person with the lesson. So it's just like hey, when I give you these moves, like this next live go, I'm not, don't look over at me. I'm not telling you anything. You need to figure this out and you need to develop the art of being able to trust yourself in live wrestling. And it might take you months and you might like fail over and over again, but sink or swim, like you're going to figure it out and I'm going to be here for you, but you got to, you got to find this within yourself. And I think with girls, communication is also a big thing. I think guys, you can say something like that and leave it. Girls, it's like kind of always good to, I think keep communication open. Um, like I remember a lot of times I would, I would just internalize so much Men don't really talk. So I'm not expressing my feelings and then I'm not working, getting really to work through it where the more communication I've had, uh, with the coach, it's like, just feels like this nice, fun, safe space where I'm like, okay, I get it. Like I'm trying, I'll work on this. It just feels like this. And they're like, okay, well, you know, let's, let's keep going at it. And I'm like, all right. And it's just nice to know that they're there and they're willing to talk and listen. I think a lot of times, and it's true that when I was growing up, I dressed like a boy. I talked like a boy. I wanted to fit in. I didn't want to stand out. I didn't want to be kicked out of the sport. And the sport was really geared around coaching boys and that persona. So I think girls come in and they immediately kind of feel like they have to be that in order to like to make it work. So um, the more space they have to come into their own, uh, the more that they will. Because part of being able to make the own deci- your own decisions, right, is you have to know yourself and you have to trust yourself. But if you're like kind of thinking that, you don't belong in this space. You're not really going to fully embody yourself. So for me, when I, when I left and stopped training with only boys and I, you know, remember wearing like a pre spandex for the first time and being like, Oh my God, this is so nice. Like I can do this and then I can wrestle and I can laugh at practice. It's not, I don't have to worry about is Will this be considered flirting or like some BS like that? Uh, and just being able to be my own person and have fun. And like, it's okay to cry. I'm just emotional. I don't care if the boys don't do it. I like to do it. I like to cry after every practice if I'm frustrated. And then that works for me. And then it creates a space for me to learn and grow. Dude, how about this? Just to go back to the tough love thing. Mm-hmm. I had a girl and she went to women's nationals this year. And she got, she got beaten in this one position. She would get caught underneath and the girl would just walk behind her. Right? Mm-hmm. So she... So uh, as soon as we got back from women's nationals, I was like, oh, we need to address this in a big, bad way, right? And then 
because I started putting her in that position, right? So think about it. It's like short offense position. She's in she's in short offense position. The girl just walks behind her. So she started like doing it with someone else. Like she started working with her partner from the offensive position too. So from like a front headlock. Uh-huh. So the very next weekend, we go to the state tournament, and she she gives up a takedown by letting a girl walk behind her. It happens. It's not a big deal. But what was funny to me is she got to that that front headlock position, the offensive position. She tried to do like some roll, like some, like some head pinch, and she uh-huh. probably practiced once or twice. Now, I'm gonna tell you something, and it's gonna sound insensitive, uh-huh. but she got she got cut open on her head, um, and I was really happy because because now I get to talk to her, right? So. Uh-huh. Like, First thing I said to her was, listen, Ollie, as bad as, as you are getting caught in underneath there, you're even worse from the offensive position. Can we just not do that anymore? <laughs> like, you are terrible there. And she looked at me. She listened. She started crying and not in my, because I hurt her feelings. I gave her permission to be bad at this one thing. She was like, oh my God, thank you so much. She literally started crying. And I'm like, hey, we chase tail there every single day. Can you just do that, please? And she's like, oh my God, thank you. And then she goes out and texts her. She literally went out and texted her the next the, the period. And I'm there going, oh, I'm figuring out how to deal with these humans because it's way different in some regards. She started crying tears of joy because I gave her permission to suck in a position. She sucks there. She's fucking terrible there. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's okay to suck there. I'm not great in every position. Neither is anyone else, you know? Uh, so it's, it's been fun to, to kind of figure out the jigsaw puzzle. And, and, and I'll tell you what. I'm bringing it over to the men's side too. Because here's the thing. Here's the truth of the matter. Really very similar. They're really very, very similar in thought process and emotional response. But the boys won't let you know. They won't let you know. Yeah. Yeah. I've always said that I'm like the interesting thing. One of the things I think that's helped me to grow a lot in the sport is being a female and having the permission to be emotional. I think if I was a guy and like this way, it'd be way harder because guys, you know, boys aren't supposed to cry and they're supposed to be tough and this sport's supposed to be tough. And so you're like, you have some guys that if you just held space for them and allowed them to maybe share their feelings and process through some stuff, they'd probably like hit this, this huge breakthrough and jump. But instead they're just like getting grounded into that, that same, like, just no, put your head down. Don't talk about your feelings, tough it out. I've actually had some really cool, experience for, for girls and guys. And I find that um, when I share um, from a vulnerable place, like, oh yeah, I lost in this match and I struggled with this, 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 and I felt this way. And they're very surprised with how much I'm willing to share. Then they kind of were like, yeah, I struggle with that too. And I know that they would never say that if I didn't share first, cause they're just like, you know, uh, uh, closed off. I had, I had a guy um, one time I was training with this kid and he kept telling me about you know, he had the cadet trials coming up and he's like, yeah, I took second last year, but this year I'm going to get first. And I took second last year, but blah, blah, blah. And then finally, after a week of training, I said, Hey, can I ask you something? I said, you keep mentioning that you took second. And it almost sounds like to me, 
even even though you lost, I think you were really happy with making it to the finals. And you're and uh, I was like, I think this year you're actually really nervous because now there's more pressure because your new lowest standard has to be the finals. And now you have to get better. And I was like, and it sounds like there's a lot of fear around that. And I don't know if anyone's talked to you about it, but I would just say let go of what the past was and just wrestle and enjoy and be in the moment. And like, whatever happens, you know, happens. And then he, he like started tearing up and he ended up making the team and he messaged me after. And he's like, thank you for that talk. That was really helpful. And it was really like a cool experience for me because, you know, sometimes I assume that guys don't like um, really go in, into all that deep stuff, but they like, you could tell that it resonated with him just to kind of, I guess, feel seen or feel heard and like, you know, validated to just have permission to just go, go out there. And, and so that was cool. And I've had a lot of experiences that with talking to women a lot, I'm like, how did you feel about this? Like, and then sometimes it's just so, the biggest thing is how did you feel and giving a woman the permission to just talk about her feelings? Like, well, I was, I was feeling like I could get this move, but then I was thinking like, maybe I shouldn't. And then I went to this and that, and just for them to speak it out in this no judgment zone, it's like oh, such a nice feeling. Whereas like when coaches don't talk about it, I'm like, oh man, now I messed up last time. I can't mess up again this time. And like, he's going to expect me. And you know, I don't know. So that's been some of my experiences. That's really cool. Um, one, one kind of final question here. Uh, you talked about kind of your first, uh, you know, Olympic gold medal that, uh, you kind of chalk that up to the opportunities that you got. Um, and what would you say are, are some of the opportunities that you feel like women's wrestling can still, uh, can still get, uh, that would help level up women's wrestling as a whole? Um, yeah, I think it's amazing how far that we've come and we don't have all 50 states with girls state sanctioned wrestling. And we have states with a lot, a lot of girls and there's like political reasons why it's not getting sanctioned and they're outdated uh, reasons. And I think people just need to come, come around and realize that this is valuable for both men and women. And by supporting both, I think the level for both will, will rise. And then also just women's wrestling uh, college opportunities, right? So a man doesn't have to choose between going to an Ivy League school and pursuing his Olympic career. A woman does. Um, and, you know, in-state tuition versus out-of-state tuition and getting to be able to pick from good wrestling schools and getting a good education. Uh, and just how that even trickles down to if you're a parent of, you know, a young girl and she's playing three sports and you're thinking, like, where is she going to get a college scholarship? You're Right now it's like, are you going to really want her to be in wrestling when there might be more opportunities in a different sport? So there's, like, all these little subtle things that we don't we don't even can't even measure the impact yet um so i think when division one and all the ncaa divisions add women's wrestling i think we're going to see profound um growth in the sport and it's going to be awesome so fuck up pa fuck up already will you please um <laughs> yeah i'm like and oh, we need the men to help it's like you know we can't be like beating the horse to death it's it's really a lot of times i, I i'm so blessed to be on Team USA with the men that we have because they're supportive of women's wrestling. And that's what sets the example for young boys. Uh, there's a lot of young boys that aren't gonna look up to me that are never gonna respect women's wrestling, but you look up to Jordan Burroughs and you look up to Kyle Dake and you look up to David Taylor. And when you see, you know, them having the joint practices with the women or all of us, you know, training together. And, you know, I've been friends with these guys for, for years and years and their families. I think that sends a message to the, you know, to the younger generations, like this is what it's like at the top and this is what's good. Yeah. I agree. I got I got one last one. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Are you going to coach after you're done? Yes, I I'm really looking forward to coaching. I don't know in what capacity yet, um, but I'm I'm my eyes are very open for that and looking towards it. Awesome. Okay. How do we see the movie? How do people check out your movie? 
Uh, it's coming to streaming. It's in the works right now. I don't have all the, the details yet, but as soon as I get them, I will, I will announce it. Cool. How else do people get a hold of you on social? Uh, at Helen underscore Maroulis. Thank you. You yeah, are awesome. You. And it's really, truly appreciative. I'm appreciative of, of your time and, and, and your insight. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. These are like awesome topics, great conversations. Thanks for that. We could just, yeah, delve into it. So appreciate it.